This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai. There's joy in every journey. Yo, it is another edition of the High Hopes Podcast. I am James Seltzer, and with me right now, with his arms in the air, the president of the Aaron Altair fan club doing his victory lap, Mr. Jack Fritz. Fritzy. Uh, it's just, it just feels so good <laughs> to be right again with the Phillies. Um, Aaron Altair has risen from the dead. And he potentially has saved the Philly season. <laughs> um, and he has played his way right into the starting left field position next year with Har- Bryce Harper in right field and whoever in center field. Do they even need to sign Harper if they've got Altair? I mean, you know, right? All I know is that <laughs> Nick Williams can pack his bags and go home. He's back. Because he's, he's he, back, folks. I said it when, when Altair was going through his slump. I said he's better than Nick Williams. He will always be better than Nick Williams. And guess what? I don't care if Nick Williams is hurt. I was right. I was right. He is such a good baseball player. Great defensive player. Great base runner. Now he's hitting doubles again. Listen, it's just sometimes you gotta you gotta learn how to evaluate talent. And eventually, I think the High Hopes listeners will learn that. What's his average still? It's like, yeah, it's good. Closer to approach the Mendoza almost line. Almost at 200. He's getting there, baby. Quickly, though. It's, it's not, it hasn't been a slow ascent. Been very fast. So take me through your emotions. That Friday nighter, oh. Altair comes out and and says, "I'm back, bitches." So first off, I'm working a Friday night, which is not fun at all. But then I see Altair's in the lineup. I'm like, "All right, I feel pretty good." <laughs> I love I love the concept that the fact that Aaron Altair's in the lineup can somehow make your Friday night. Anyway, so Altair in the lineup <laughs> hits that first home run. Me and Joe look at each other and we're like, "Yes!" Because Joe's <laughs> player to count on was Aaron Altair that night for leading off. So. Good call by Joe. Um, and so he does that, right? And then he he basically steals a run for the Phillies on the Roman Quinn uh, uh, fielder's choice play at the middle where very, some would say Jason Worth-esque play from from Aaron <laughs> some Altair. Would. Some, some would. Some would say. Yeah. Some would say. Not one, me. One might. Yeah. Sure. <laughs> not, not I. And then... He takes another ding dong in the later in the game, and he sm- the only reason he wasn't five for five was because he smoked the ball right at the right fielder. He was inches away from being five for five. I you, you laughed at me the last podcast we did when I said he has been just consistently. I laughed because he was five at bat, but he was crushing the ball. <laughs> He's crushing the ball, and it, it came through. And then yesterday he went two for two off the bench, and maybe they started him. They maybe they win that game. We're not going to talk about Saturday, but. I will talk about Saturday because he may have had the best at bat of the season in the first oh, inning. Really? He was, That's good to he, know. He was down 0-2, worked it to 3-2, and then he walked, and they scored three runs that inning. So, <laughs> listen, he's a catalyst. He scored two that inning, right? Two that inning, whatever. Yeah. More runs than one. scored three in the fifth. Um, okay. Real serious, serious <laughs> question about Aaron Altair. Um, how do you explain, like, 
How do you rationalize the the year on year off we've had with Aaron Ontario? Looked really good in his first shot in the majors, came back injured a bit, but a really rough second season. Then, of course, last year had a really nice year. Yep. Start to believe, and then real struggles this year mm-hmm. again. It, what is it? Why is Aaron Altair so inconsistent? And what does he need to do to actually be the guy that you believe he is? Well, um, uh, this year it was weird because he just his timing was way off, and you can see it was way off, and he wasn't able to like he on fastballs inside last year. I think he batted like four hundred against them, and this year he was just swinging and missing, and it wasn't he wasn't squaring up pitches, and he wasn't. Hitting doubles into the opposite field gap, like that's that's when Aaron Altair is at his best. It's the hallmark he, of Aaron Altair. Yeah, when he's going gap to gap, that's what makes him, a, hopefully, a good player. In this league. <laughs> that's, that's a good catch. But right that's there. what that's what would lead him to being a good player is the gap to gap power, not the the majestic moonshots that he does hit. <laughs> um, and I think his timing was just way off. And I know he get he got a lot of starts with Nick Williams. Um, they didn't really believe in Nick Williams. I know Altair got a lion's share of playing time. Um, but once he started losing that playing time, it was hard for him to gain his his step back. And he went down to the minors, and I thought I think it was too late to send him to the minors. I would have liked to see him um, send him down there earlier um, to get his timing back. So he's just he's a timing based hitter. And I guess now he's he said he didn't really change anything. He just got more confident, which maybe he's a confidence player as well. I don't know how to explain it. He's been off and on. Um, hopefully, he can be more of the 2017 Altair going forward. Um, I think he'll be fine. And I just I like his upside more than Nick Williams. I always have. And I think next year I wouldn't hate <laughs> if he's in left field and Harper's in right field and whoever between Quinner of Dubles and Center. All right. Um I there's nothing I love more on this planet than your Aaron Altair. Well, wait love. till we get to Nick Pavetta. Yeah, wait till we get to Nick Pavetta. But you mentioned him. Let let's real quick, let's let's talk Harper because report comes out. We've seen a few reports now saying not just Harper, but Machado. Yeah. Phillies are going for it yeah. this offseason. Of course, Trout, we talked about that the last time you and I were on a pod. The potential that if he turns down a big contract from the Angels, Phillies could be in on that too. Oh, it'll be such a somber day if he signs a contract extension. Uh, it'd be uh, like the worst it'll day. Be, it'll be devastating. I'd be so sad. And it'll because I I genuinely in my soul believe that Mike Trout will be a Philly. Last five years, it's all yeah, I thought, it's all it's, I thought I, about. I truly. Be, but let's start with Harper and Machado. We all know how the Trout thing has to play out, especially because with the Trout thing, it takes two to tango. They ultimately do need the Angels to a not sign him long term and then b be, be involved trade. in a trade, but. Bryce Harper and Manny Machado are there, and those guys are going to test the market. Do you really think the Phillies are going to get both of these guys, or do you think they get at least one? Like, how do you, how, right now on September 17, 2018, we're still three months away from free agency, all that stuff. What, where is your feel on this situation right now? I can't believe we're going to blow all of our offseason content on, <laughs> on, <laughs> on September 17th. <laughs> I have a feeling we're going to talk about this again. Just a thought. Um, so, right now, on September 17th, and this could obviously change. I th- I don't think they're going to get both. I think they're going to get Harper because I think Machado is lock city to the New York Yankees. You've been saying that for a while. Because it, that's what everyone, like he, his nephew goes on national TV, says he wants to see him play for the Yankees. Ah, he obviously talks to the Yankees. There's been multiple reports. If he, told, he tells his friends that he wants to play for the Yankees. Do the Yankees want him? Or need him? Well, they don't need, they don't need him. They, I mean, all right, let's, for argument's sake, let's say that he wants to go to the Yankees. Why would the Yankees give him $300, $400 million when they have Miguel Andujar, they've got Claybar Torres, they've got Didi Gregorius? I mean, they're so locked down. And they got to pay Didi mm-hmm. after next year? I mean, that that they are locked down. And, I mean, for what it's worth, Andujar and Torres, the two best rookies in baseball this year other than Acuna. Well, uh, Soto. Oh, and Soto. Ah, 
Hmm. Not long term. What Soto's doing at his age is better than those guys, but Andor has been better than Soto. There's no question about Dude, it. Juan Soto's batting 300 with 400 OBP and like so and like, Andor. Andor's and like 20 batting plus like close homers. to 300. With yeah, but he's, 20 he's plus been homers. up. He's been up the entire season. True. Soto has been unbelievable. They both have been very, very and good. And Otani. So, but regardless, for age, of course, what Soto's doing is unprecedented at that age. Yeah, Who would you rather have, Acuna or Soto? Acuna. But I like both a lot. It's terrifying. I mean, Acuna's so good. It is terrifying. He's so good, that dude. I mean, I would love to have Ronald Acuna on my team. I'm the, I, think, I, I think that no one's Mike Trout. I think in three years, Ronald Acuna is the second best player in baseball. Yeah, it feels that way. Yeah. And Soto's like the next big power threat. Mm-hmm. That's gonna have like forty homers a year. He's nineteen. He's it's terrifying. It's I mean, outrageous. Think about the N- the NL East for a second. I know we're we're gonna talk about the thing, but um, I've I've I'm very nervous about um Soto, Trey Turner, and Rendon, all those young guys down there. Mm-hmm. Scherzer, Strasburg, like, Rendon. Actually, it's not. It's never I'm been kidding. Rendon. I know. Jeez. I know. I couldn't believe you <laughs> even uttered those words. But like, I think the Nationals are gonna bounce back next year. I just think they're. I think there's too much talent. Even if they lose Harper, sure. I think there's too much talent there. I'm worried about them. And I, the Mets, the Mets have looked competent for the last couple of weeks, and their starting staff is getting like, like Zach Wheeler's turned into an absolute stud for Legit, them. Zach He's been Wheeler. really finally, good with the Grom, years. with the Grom and Syndergaard finally maybe healthy for it. Like I'm not worried about the Mets, but there's there's stuff to be concerned about. And then you have the Braves, Freeman, Acuna, and Albies. Just unbelievable, the Braves, the, the the amount of young talent they have, and that they've got a better farm system than the Phillies right. still. And they got a uh, what Riley, the third base prospect, mm-hmm. who's and then all the pitching prospects in the world. Kyle Wright's Tucson up there now. and Allard, and I mean they are just uh, Newcomb's young, Fulty's young. I mean they're they're stacked. The Braves are stacked. Yeah, it's it's very it's very nerve wracking, and that's why this offseason is so imperative that they get one of these guys. I agree with you. If they don't get these guys, like I don't want to be doomsday guy, but it's over. It's I, not over, but it's like it's not their good. their path to being a legit contender in the NL is just hard. I I think that it is the most important offseason in Phillies franchise history. Not even close. Yeah, I mean, no question. And I, and to your point, I agree with you. I don't think they get both guys. Not because of the Yankees thing, just as much that. I, it just seems impossible to me that they're actually going to go out and spend eight hundred million dollars on two guys. But not if, that I'd be against it. Oh, Look, I wouldn't. I wouldn't I'm care. totally fine with it. Like though, we've talked about this a lot. But just to reiterate, these might be the two greatest free agents in the history of baseball yep. in terms of years, in terms of what they've already done at the major league level, and in terms of the future they have in front of them. Like it doesn't get better than a twenty-six or twenty-seven year old Bryce Harper remaining Machado coming on the market. Both it doesn't Famer. happen. Both are Hall of Famers. Yes, and will be Hall of Famers. And they're young. You, they came up so young, that, and we'll see it with Soto and Acuna. Those will be guys who they'll have free agency at twenty-seven years old or whatever. Yep. Twenty-six for Soto. It's a big deal for it, these guys to be this age and on the market. It's a huge deal. And even if they sign these guys to $40 million a year contracts, they're still like 60 some million under the under the uh, luxury, luxury tax. Luxury tax. Yeah, they've got nothing on the books. They've, they've got nothing on the books. They can easily... They, they, it's not they can easily do it, but it's feasible. And if, you, if you're if you a Bryce Harper and Manny Machado, and you... Oh, bo- I love this idea, by the way. You put this out there on Twitter, right? Yeah, but... Yeah. I love this idea. You, I love this idea. You bring them both in. You have a sit-down meeting with both of them. And you say, listen, you guys are two of the best players in the game. Imagine what you could do together. We can pay you. It, there's no problem there. We're, we're willing to spend for whatever. And you say, in Harper Machado, look at each other, and they're like, why would we? Why would we break up when we can just join forces here in Philadelphia? And A little NBA action, right? Yeah, there. right. It's it's a, it's the NBA model. It's the exact same thing. And I don't under like I I think that's the play. I don't think I don't think you go for just one of them meeting at, at different times. Bring them both in together and see what happens. I, I love that idea. I saw you tweeted that out. I love the concept of putting them in a room together. 
you, you don't see that in Major League Baseball. It's not something that's done, but we've seen a lot in the NBA. The idea of these guys joining forces to go to a specific place and for the two biggest free agents ever in the same offseason to potentially be in the same room and make that pitch to those guys and you guys play together and let's build a freaking juggernaut. And also and also, what they'll do in that meeting at Del Frisco's, which I already called, so Del Frisco's <laughs> set it up, um, is they're going to lay out their plan to get Mike Trout. Yep. And they're going to... Oh, I'm speechless right now. I just the thought of Harper Machado and Trout. Like, think about that. That's three of the ten best players in baseball. It is. I it, I do not think it's on. It can't be unfeasible. It's, it, it, they have so much money. Oh, oh man, they have so much money, and they're willing to play the pay the luxury tax if they have to. Like, they don't. They, money is no object to the Phillies. I agree. It's been that way for years. And but that's what we're talking about right now. Like the 2018 offseason is such a juxtaposition for this team because if they if they strike out. And they don't get either one. They're screwed, and you're waiting for Trout, right? Mm-hmm. That's pretty much their plan. Mm-hmm. If you get if you get both of them, and then you lay out the plan for Trout, all of a sudden you're 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 a freaking juggernaut, literal juggernaut. It's like there's there's such a swing here between non like the Phillies would be competitive. It's like all or nothing kind of thing almost. Right. So the Phillies would be competitive if they do nothing because they they do have the talent and they do have the depth, but the depth isn't the high impact. Like maybe Bomb will be a high impact player. Yeah, I hope he you is. Don't know. We hope. We don't know that yet. We just don't know that. Um, I think Adam Hazley's going to be a really good player, and it looks like he might even be in. There's talks of him being in the outfield next year, which is crazy. Moniac's obviously been showing some flashes, but still, you don't have the high upside bats that the the other teams have. And it's just hard for them to reach a ceiling of a World Series winner without the high-impact bats. Yeah. Like I said, I think the Royals, the only team I can think of in the last 20 years, that has won a World Series without at least one of those guys. And the Giants had Posey. I know that Posey might not seem that way, but he is at that position to be well, what Buster Posey was. an MVP. Exactly, and that's my point. So I can't think of another team other than the Kansas City Royals, and the Royals did it. And the Royals, that's probably the flukiest World Series you'll ever see. Diamondbacks in 01, I guess Luis Gonzalez? A little bit, yeah, and, and that was Erie at 50-plus homers. Right. So he was a really good hitter that year. And also, again, they had Johnson and Schilling, so it's a little bit of a... Kind of a, yeah. a different circumstance, but no, another good point. But point being that you you really increase your chances when you have those elite high end type talents. And how nervous would you? How nervous are you that the Yankees sign both of them and trade G- Giancarlo Stanton? <laughs> I'm not really. I, I think let's just say if George Steinbrenner was still the owner, I'd be a lot more nervous about it. I think Hal is much more pragmatic. I just don't think that he goes about his business well, that but, way. But what if you can get Machado and you trade Didi? And then you have Harper and Wright, and you trade Stanton to the Dodgers. I think you, they could do it, and that would kind of free up some cap space and or, you know, with the tax and kind of make it work, potentially. Look, it's a lot. I wouldn't be shocked if the Yankees did anything to the Yankees, but I, I would be more surprised than not if that's the way it played out. But I, I agree, one of them. And I'm with you, too. I think Bryce Harper's a Philly. I really do. I feel... If I had to bet on one of those two Was it because he hugged Reese Hoskins last week? No, but I like that. <laughs> I like that. It's because he was out there hanging with the ground screw. He's like, hey, guys, I'm going to be here soon. And then Gabe. Oh, dude, so Gabe and him are definitely lifting the mornings together, right? And they're going to go on jogs around Philadelphia. It's going to be great. Yeah. Um, and I, I, I firmly want to plant my, my flag where on one of these players. Yes. And it's long been Machado. It has. I'm a Harper guy. Thank you. Welcome aboard, sir. I want Bryce Harper. Thank I want him more than Manny Machado. We argued about this a while back. I know. He is... He is just so exciting, and he's he's this this second half has really helped fuel mm, this. He's been awesome. Yeah. He's been he's been really really good. Um, and now his OPS is like back above Machado's, even after he was hitting like 190, mm-hmm. which is like a ridiculous streak he's been on. So, um, I want Harper here. I think it'd be really exciting for the fan base. 
What do you think about Patrick Corbin? I like Patrick Corbin a lot. I like the adjustments he made into this year. He looks like a bit of a different pitcher than he was before. The talent was always there. We talked about it. Third pitch. The talent was always there. I was always a Patrick Corbin guy. He just couldn't put it together. Yeah. Uh, my worry is the cost because four years, eighty-two. Little? Yeah, because he's had injury issues uh-huh. and stuff like that. So I worry a little bit about that. But look, I I think I mean he's probably going to be the number one pitcher on the market because yeah, Kershaw sure. will probably just get re-upped. So yeah, I mean I was thinking about this. I was thinking about the next year's Phillies rotation, and while some of the guys took a positive step forward, Eflin Velasquez, Feta, it's hard to trust them in a hundred sixty-two game season, mm-hmm. um, especially Eflin at this point. Eflin, and that's that's an interesting thing on Eflin, real quick, is that in oh yeah, we talked about this on the last show on his and, fastball usage. Yeah, and and I'm surprised they haven't upped it more. Well, he did in his last start, and he was good. He was good in his last start, and so so his fastball usage, his forcing fastball usage, um, in his five and zero June was fifty one percent, and it was like it's great because it gets him ahead, and his off speed is just not that great to where it's. Wipeout stuff. He has a, a, an adequate slider and an okay changeup. But what was making him so good was his fastball, and everything playing off his fastball looks much better. And I don't understand really what what the philosophy change was, but he just stopped throwing it. Like this month and last month, he was in the low forties, and it, and <laughs> subsequently he was getting rocked. Um, and finally, this past start against the Marlins, he went back to attacking with his fastball, and it made everything else look good. So hopefully. They they write that down and say Zach, yeah, right? Like <laughs> you're throwing your fastball, buddy. <laughs> like stop messing around. Um, but yeah, so next year's rotation, if you can, if Arietta can be like your four or five, four or five, yeah, hopefully, like he's not, he's just not a number two. They need another arm. They need one more. And I'm looking in the minors, and I think Sixto and Medina are probably two years away from being in this rotation. Best case scenario, mid season next year, I would say. And Best I, case, I think Sixto could be up here in September next year sure. for a hopeful playoff sure. run, and then maybe in the rotation after that as a but, bullpen guy or something like that. Right. So I don't hate the idea of throwing big money at Patrick Corbin, and if if you're if you're here to compete next year, if you're trying to make a legit run, and you, which I believe they are, which Espe- I think it'll depend on the big moves, but which I think they are, and if they if they go to Machado and Harper, get one of them, then all of a sudden you're you're trying to throw yourself into a World Series contending window, yep. and I don't see the arms in the minor leagues before um, until you get to Sixto and Medina that could be as good as Patrick Corbin. Yeah, and also something the Phillies don't have. Someone who throws from a the lefty? That side, huh? I mean, wouldn't on, that be man. fun to watch a lefty pitch here? I mean, you know, lefty starter? Adam Morgan's right there, man. Yeah, <laughs> starter. <laughs> Adam Morgan. Jesus Christ. <laughs> well, um, he's... I, I don't want to go too inside baseball, but he was he really was good, good last, last year. year. I don't... I don't know what happened. I he it is it, Adam Morgan again, one of those guys who went from a guy we all hated because he was a terrible starter, but then they put him in the pen. He was legit. Uh-huh. He was a, a weapon as a left-handed reliever, and lost it all this year. And it's it, the eye test; like he looks hittable. Yeah, he pitches. No, I know it's weird. He was because they upped his slider usage last year, and this year the slider he hasn't been able to find the release point on it. Mm-hmm. Just That's like what killer. happened to me in college. Basically the same thing. Same exact yeah, thing. You're the right-handed Adam Morgan. Yeah, sometimes. <laughs> Some do. Uh, all right, so we'll we'll obviously dive way more into the Harper Machado, all that stuff. I think many times now yeah, until December. We're looking forward to January. That's yeah, all we talk about. It's gonna be good. It's gonna be good. But um, a few more things with this team, and then we'll get back to kind of looking ahead. But some interesting stuff over the weekend. Uh, we'll get to Carlos Santana in a minute. I know you had some thoughts yeah. on Santana, but I want to talk about the Saturday game, um, the whole kingery of it all. Gets pulled <laughs> in the second inning for a pinch hitter. Everyone loses their freaking minds. The pitcher also, Velasquez, gets pinch hit for. Granted, gave up four runs in two innings, so I think people were a little less angry yeah. about that one. But, you know, you start Kingery, you pull him out. 
they end up winning the game 5-4. to four. A lot of interesting nuggets of that game. I think it was the first game in the history of baseball, I believe, where no pitcher pitched more than two innings in the entire game, which is a really fascinating Or an NL statistic. game where neither starter hit. Neither starter hit. That was the other nugget, uh, I think both from Jason Sark potentially. But regardless... Um, it was a weird game. They won the game, and people were Gabe still Kapler won the pretty game. mad. About, I, that's my, I think Kapler won them that game with the managing, but people are really criticizing him for it. Well, that's because... <sighs> I, just, I, just, I, I don't understand what is so hard to, to... like Just think for two seconds about what the manager's doing rather than being like, Oh, stupid analytics. What are they doing here? Like it's just it. I'm, it's driving me insane. Critically think for five seconds, right? <laughs> we are like for this entire season. Scott Kingery's been a complete bust, and everyone's been saying, "Get him out of the lineup. Get someone else in here, just so we can see anyone else play shortstop, right?" And they start a lefty on the mound, and it's fine to play Kingery. I think Kingery's looked better in recent weeks. I want to see him play more. I think it's important. You've actually been hyping Kingery I th- up, a lot and, I, and I want to see him play. I really do. And but. Gabe Kapler thinks they're still in this thing, and they're only five games out of the wild card. So, like, right. And to be fair, like, he has to manage that way. You, you can't, can't. You can't rip him for managing to win. Right. And and they they so a lefty starts. It's fine playing Kingery because he. If you want to pull him against righties, that's different. So a lefty starts. They get to the second inning, and a, a righty comes in, and you have second and third no outs or whatever it was. There was there's runners in scoring position, no outs. You have to play to win there. And when you have a guy like a Drupal Cabrera, who is a better hitter, who can come off the bench and play shortstop and can hit, like it was an absolute no-brainer decision. And I, I can't, but like, dude, he's gonna ruin Scott Kingery's confidence. Scott Kingery, if he's if he's that emotionally weak, shouldn't be in the major leagues because mm-hmm. he, he, at some point, you have to be realistic and say this makes a lot of sense on paper. Like, I, I don't understand the the outcry for for pulling him there. And everyone's like, well, why didn't you just start as Drupal? Because there was a freaking lefty on the mound. <laughs> like, they, they were trying to optimize the lineup by by doing that and it's just it just continued with this stupid this it's just like i want gabe kapler to succeed just because just to, yeah just this city can this stop dragging up. its knuckles across the freaking ground <laughs> like it's caveman and thoughts. here's the thing if that happens in august july june whatever you can somewhat have a gripe because you could say you're losing a guy in the second inning. You need roster depth. It could be a tie game. You could go to extra innings. They have 40 man rosters right now. I know. There's no reason to rip that move. There's none. I get it. Why people? It's not like you pinch it for Reese freaking Hoskins. All right. I mean, come on. And again, they won the baseball game. That should be the biggest takeaway. And I think it was actually a really impressive win. Down early, fought back, and they had seven relievers combined to throw seven shutout innings. I mean, that's called. Managing is what that's called. It's called managing. And Kavler did a really nice job of it there. Um, speaking of managing, seen a little bit of Carlos Santana at third base. You've a lot interest- of Carlos yeah, Santana. You have at third an base. interesting theory on this. Well, I, or a hope for this. Well, I don't want to give away Carlos Santana. I think Carlos Santana is the second best offensive player in the Phillies. And he's going to end up the season with the most RBIs in his career, over 100 walks. All that good stuff. Like he's had a, a a pretty good Carlos Santana season. Obviously, a lot of his numbers in the last month have jumped his average. Like he's up in the two thirties now after being in the two eighteen range, and it's been a hot streak when the games haven't really mattered, which is very Bobby Abreu of him for a lot of <laughs> Phillies fans in this in this area. But I think Carlos Santana is a valuable um, offensive player, and I think he's a better first. He's obviously a way better first baseman than Reese Hoskins yeah, is. Yeah, it's not close. And the my only argument for ever getting the DH in the NL is so that Reese Hoskins can get out of the field. And it is a good <laughs> argument because 
folks, there is nowhere you could put Reese Hoskins in the field Listen, where he will be good. Period. And, and I think what the Phillies did this year was they wanted to see how Reese could do. For as much as they they put on this facade that they were going for it, it was still a developmental year to see what they have in a lot of these players. Mm-hmm. And I think what they tried— and I think Clint kind of said as much whenever asked about the moves. He was very clear that they did not expect this team to be where it was this year. And, you know, they're they're— they're doing the best they can in the situation that has kind of changed their thinking. Right. So if 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 you weren't projected to be that good, why not see if Reese Hoskins can play in left field? And I think what they've learned is that he can't. And I know it's the probably the least important defensive position, but still definitely it's, least important. It's, but yes, it's still a defensive position, and there's and it's made. I think it's made a Dubo Herrera a worse defensive center fielder because he has Reese Hoskins next to him, and he has to think about that much more space that he has to cover because Reese can't get to anything. He's a bad arm. Um, so. They've been playing Carlos Santana at third base a lot, and I th- there was a report from Jim Salisbury early or middle of last week saying that they did explore the option of trading Carlos Santana at the deadline to free up first base to bring Hoskins back, and I think they want to do that. But I don't hate the idea of a, a good amount of Carlos Santana mm-hmm. at third base because because <laughs> listen, the lineup becomes way better. He's been he's been okay at it. He's yeah. been I mean he's, he's been, been serviceable, solid out there. If, I mean, listen, he's not going to be a stud third baseman, but if you can if you can take the the offensive upside of having both Hoskins and Santana, but Hoskins in a better position defensively, and you can have Santana at third base where, it's, where he's at least somewhat adequate, I think the upside offensively is better than getting rid of Santana, having Franco back at third base, and Hoskins at first base. I just like the upside offensively. And also maybe you can put Ho- uh, Santana at first and put Hoskins in left field for like t- maybe once or twice a week mm-hmm. and still have Santana at third base. Um, it's interesting that they've been doing that. I think they're trying to find a way to keep Carlos Santana because I don't think they want to move a valuable offensive piece like him. I agree with you, and I don't think they should move him. And even, look, let's put it this way. I'd rather have Santana back at first base and Hoskins in left field again than have Santana not on this team for a stupid reason like they just want to move Hoskins back to first base. Mm-hmm. But I agree with you. I think the third base thing is interesting. Really- I mean, Carlos Santana started in left field for a World Series, for, in the World Series, mm-hmm. in game sure one of the World Series. He sure did. And he batted leadoff. So yeah. Gabe's, again, just reinventing the game of baseball. <laughs> with Doing all- stuff no one's ever done before, Jack. But it begs the question, um, there's this island that I haven't been on, that you've been on, very <laughs> He's vocally. I, but you're out for next year? This is it? It's the end? Are you off the island? What's going on here? Mike Franco? I just... <laughs> He might be hurt now, but you're already out for next year. We're talking about next year. Just, What's going on, Fritzy? Listen, man. I, What's I, going on? I never really trusted Michael Franco. <laughs> yes! I mean, like, I think... Give he, it to me! I think he's... Pump I, it into my veins! I think he's a, a fine player. I think he's <laughs> mostly he's mostly a fine player. I have no problem moving on from in this offseason wow. because I don't think he's consistently going to be able to figure it out offensively for an entire 162. Oh, which is what we've seen, and that's the the consistency issue that he's always had. He has always had that issue. Yeah. So, um, yeah, I'm interested because if they if they th- this offseason is very it's a, one of the biggest offseason regardless of um, Harper Machado all those sweepstakes. They have to make the decisions on on Cesar. They have to make decisions on maybe Kingery, Crawford. Yep. They got to make decisions on Michael Franco. There's a lot of decisions to be made. Yep. Can you trust Roman? Oh, Dubo is a great. I mean, that's a. What do you do there? I don't know because the contract is great. You're not just giving him away. You're not getting rid of him. You're not cutting him. But you. But you're also selling him low. Yeah, exactly. That's my issue. Is like he. You could trade him. But you're selling him low, and we all know if you really want to trade him, have him back out there, have a hot streak, and then trade him after that or whatever. But. Um, I think Oduble may be the most interesting decision that they have in terms of the current roster. Right yeah, now. I don't know. I don't know what they're gonna do. Um, and they got a, a, 
this offseason could shape everything because if they if they trade those guys and they turn out to be good and the guys you keep turn out to be bad, then mm-hmm. it's like your, your your talent evaluation is way we, off. As if we haven't heard enough Matt Klintak hate already. Right, right. right. I mean, that's a fireball offense. That would be bad, man. Yeah. I mean, that'd be bad. That'd yeah. be really bad. It Again, it's a huge offseason, and it's not just because of the big signings. It's everything. Deciding it's the, what to do with the rotation. The future of this franchise will be decided this offseason, and we can only hope that it's for the best. No, and I, I've thought about this a lot. I've literally been, I've been texting you You've this. have been awake at night about it. I've been texting you this since, like, 2017. If And, like, I try not to think about it because when I start thinking about it, I go into a dark place. Deep hole, man. Yeah. I'll get texts from Jack at, like, weird <laughs> hours, just these despondent texts, like, Phillies don't sign Harper. It's over. Just done. It's over. I know. I, I know. So I, I don't. You I, to clarify. You think they need? They have to get one of these guys because they, if they don't, then they don't have a realistic path to winning a championship. I just don't think that. Like I, the, the the staff could be. Like they have a bunch of very good major league players. I think Hoskins is above average. I think he's going to mm-hmm. be. I think he's going to be. Nola is is and Nola above is as average, well. Obviously, but you can't just have one of those guys. I agree. With you. you have to have at least three or four. I agree. And I don't know who the others will be. Yeah, I agree, and especially when you look at an Atlanta team in this division, and like you said, Washington already has three of them, if you think Soto's going to be one. You know, Atlanta has the potential. They already have at least two, maybe if you consider Albies one. I don't think he's there yet, but I mean, the potential is so high for all those guys. Freddie Freeman, I mean, he's a, he's a star, and they have guys like that, so yep. I, I think it's going to be especially crucial. You mentioned Klintak. I meant to ask you about this. Uh, did you get a chance to see some of the quotes from Klintak speaking to the media? talking about this past season and kind of where he was at with thinking differently and talked a little bit about some of the moves and all that type of stuff. I thought there was some interesting stuff in there as Klintak kind of just goes at the media and says, basically, like, we are going to do things differently. We want to do things differently. We don't want to do things the way people have done things for the last 120 years. Sometimes it's going to work. Sometimes it's not going to work. But we're going to keep trying those things. And I, I like... I don't understand how people can get so upset about these things. I don't understand how people still get mad when they're just trying to see what works. And if it doesn't work, they're not going to do it. And if it works, hey, that's awesome. We got an advantage on other people. You're trying to find market inefficiencies, Jack. Did no one read Moneyball? Right. Or Astro Ball? Or Astro Ball. Uh, yeah, I mean, the games, the, you, what teams are doing right now are they're, they're trying to find the next innovation. Yep. And the, Phillies, the next market inefficiency. Yeah, and the Phillies are hopefully, and the fact that they're thinking that way is a very good sign. They're not, they're not trying to 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 fit in with what what everyone else is doing. They tried Hoskins in left field this year. That's 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 number one. That's the first thing that that uh, we're gonna see. Or we have seen in them trying to be different, and I don't think it worked out. And I think they know that it didn't work out, and that's why we've seen more and more of. Carlos Santana at third base and Hoskins at first base. And I hope we see more of that just to see if it's good. Um, but listen, it, the fact that they're thinking that way, I think, is a, a healthy thing. Another interesting thing he addressed that we didn't talk about, the firing of the hitting coaches. Joe Jordan, of oh, course, yeah? leaves. There's an interesting organizational philosophy type of thing here. Yep. Getting rid of those hitting coaches, getting in guys who are going to do what they do. How do you come down on this? Because I know we've had... A lot of people complain about the approach offensively. Where are you where are you at on this right now? Uh, so it's weird. So Maley did a a, a a sit down with Todd Zalecki, and he was talking about selectively aggressive hitting and how they will be aggressive if they get their pitch early in counts, which in theory sounds good, but it doesn't really make sense because like if if a pitcher knows that he's looking for one pitch early in count, like why why would, <laughs> why would he, you throw that why pitch? would you why would you throw that pitch? So I was like, I mean. Good. It's good to be aggressive on pitches that you can try to slug, but when you when the pitcher knows that and they know your your tendencies, 
they're not going to throw that pitch. So you're going to end up being down 0-2 like with Kingery and and all that stuff. So it was it was a bit weird. Um, the the Maley quotes I didn't I didn't like them a lot. Um, but so the firing of the hitting coaches and Joe Jordan, I don't love the idea of of getting rid of old school scouts. Um, and I think I think a lot of the analytics and and looking for players in in that kind of way has been good for the game. But I've read multiple stories in the last couple of weeks, like even Degrom, um, when they were scouting him. Yeah, it's a great story. Like you don't find Degrom without traditional scouting. Nope. So I think I nope. think there is a, a place for traditional scouting and getting rid of all the old school. Like Joe Joe Jordan's an old school baseball guy. Big time. That's what he is. And I I don't love the idea of of moving on from those guys. The hitting coaches I think is a little different because I'm kind of looking at the Dodgers model and they are all about launch angle and driving and and finding guys like I'm just in my mind I'm thinking of Max Muncie, Jock Peterson, Ismani Grandal, um all of, like Cody Bellinger that are just sure. looking to just launch on balls. And I think um that's what's going to be implemented in the lower levels and I don't think they want the old hitting coach. Like that's fine. I think if you're I think what they're trying to do is they're trying to build a Dodger like Dodger-like team here in Philadelphia, in a team that's just out there looking to slug. Um, and really, the Dodgers are just what the Phillies are, just souped up. Just more talented. More talented than the Phillies. That's yeah. what they are. And getting rid of the hitting coaches and having these guys just teach launching on balls was was what I think those moves were about. Yeah, and look, I um, whether or not you agree with the approach offensively, and look, it's... As Jack just mentioned, there are a lot of very successful teams in baseball who approach hitting this way. So, well, it's, a, it's the Dodgers that approach it, and I think the I'm just trying to think just to balance it out. Teams that are not really like this are the the Red Sox and Astros are more like they don't have great strikeout numbers. They're looking to be aggressive early in counts and drive the ball, whereas the Dodgers and Phillies are more weighted out. And regardless, and look, we've seen it have success at times this year. You know, it's struggled, but at the same time, it's also I think in some ways raised some talent that's maybe not as good and gotten a little more production at times than you would expect but regardless just from a from a philosophical perspective i love the idea that they are instituting a top-down type of thing where they're saying we are going to teach hitting the same way to everybody we're not gonna have this guy who loves to teach this and this guy loves to teach that and this guy loves to teach that no like we're all going to teach the same thing we as an organization are all moving in unison in the same direction you have to i love that though i mean that's something that wasn't happening before I do agree with you, though, about the old school scout thing. I think there is absolutely a place in baseball for them. I think that to think that you can just get by on numbers, numbers are incredibly important. We're both analytics guys, all that. I think it is it is foolhardy to think that you can just shirk scouting and old school scouting and looking at the player and what do they do and whatever, and maybe because his numbers are this, but look what he's doing with his hands. We can fix it, whatever. I, I think it is a, a mistake to completely just ignore that. Yeah, and so do I. And um, and the, when you talk about the whole organizational top-down thing, I don't understand what took him so long. Like, Clintac's been either. here for a couple of years. Uh, that's why I was, the, it's something you would think would happen like that immediately. Right. Like, we're instituting what we do. So the first thing Theo Epstein did when he took over the Cubs, that fraud Theo Epstein, just kidding, Shh, yeah, just kidding, just kidding, um, good, good. was he implemented the Cubs way. And he he wrote a whole handbook, the Cubs way, distributed it to all the minor league levels. And then maybe Klintak did the same thing. Maybe he did this whole manifesto about how the Phillies are going to play baseball. And maybe the hitting coaches that were released didn't believe in that philosophy. And mm-hmm. it took them a couple of seasons to weed out who they believed in and who they didn't believe in. I think that that, that, that may be what is, what is right. happening here. Because they didn't want to come in and just completely clean house and have players learning from new coaches all of a sudden. Even though they had. So maybe, maybe that's it. And I think the best comp I have for this Phillies offense, and I usually don't like trying to compare... Um, 
baseball to other sports or sports to other sports, but it reminds me a lot of the pre of the process Sixers in the sense that you could see the offensive system worked. It was just they didn't have the talent mm-hmm. to to put the ball in the hoop. Like they were shooting more threes. Like going from last year to this year was like a basketball team who only shot mid range jumpers going to three pointers, mm-hmm. and that's a that's an analytical revolution, and that's that's what they basically did this year. Mm-hmm. The Sixers they finally found players that could shoot threes and it's it's a great spa- point. And space the floor. I love this comp. And and with the Phillies, hope, hopefully, a lot of the season was about seeing who can play into their slug mindset. And I think a guy like Cesar Hernandez, I don't think he can play into it just because like he's so he's he has raised his his fly ball rate this year, but it's com- it's conversed with a lower batting average, and mm-hmm. and it just it, it didn't and his work. His fly for him. balls don't travel far enough, that right? It sort of comes down. He's there. a he's a guy. He's a, a line to line hitter. Yep. That's just what he is. Um, and I think they're going to move on from him this offseason because of that. Adubel, I don't think he plays into it. I don't think he, at all he plays into it. Mm-hmm. He's a he's a natural bat uh, 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 bat to ball yeah. hitter. Um, he's not a launch angle guy, and I, I wonder if his struggles had to do with trying to fit this launch angle process, which he's just not. That's not the kind of mm-hmm. hitter he is. Um, and I think a lot of the season was about the Phillies evaluating who they can trust in their offensive system. And I'm interested. Like, I think Santana and Hoskins both have great um, line drive rates in that they they it always feels like their balls are always in the air and they're always slugged pretty hard even though even though Santana's average hasn't been great this year there was never one point where I was like he's really struggling at the plate he's still driving the ball mm-hmm. it was just that it would be right at people because of the shifts and stuff so i think they're you're going to see more of guys like Hoskins and Santana that are in the business of line drives yeah and look just again as an organizational philosophy i like the idea of Training guys from the jump of how you want them to hit when they get to the major leagues. The Indians, you know, who had a lot of success by being a very smart, analytically inclined organization, the most analytically inclined for a very long time, kind of set the standard originally. A lot of the general manager in baseball were former Indians guys. Yeah. But um, they've started drafting based on guys who have the ability to hit to all fields. Well, yeah. Because because they said, oh, well, look at the shift. Let's change our approach to try and combat that. I mean, these. I just think that having an organizational philosophy and whether some fans agree with it or not, implementing something at the lower levels and carrying it all the way through is a good plan. And what the Rays have done this year is they have... By the way, <laughs> shout out to the Rays. I mean, Kevin Cash should be manager of the year. I, it, it, he should win it for both <laughs> leagues. I mean, give him all the awards. It is unbelievable what that club has done. Right, and I guess their offensive philosophy this year, or offensive philosophy... Is like player uh, um, formatting their approach to what the player's strengths are. Mm-hmm. Crazy idea! What, um, what a wild thought! You I, know? And yeah, it's interesting. Jeez. I don't know. They did. So I saw this whole piece on them just trying to fit. They weren't. It's not like launch angle. It's not. It's just. It's just making what the player does well better. Yep. Which I kind of. I'm interested in that. I love that idea. And again, I just don't think the Phillies are going that route. And again, to all those people out there hating on analytics, all <laughs> these teams we're talking about are huge analytic teams. They rely on analytics. That is baseball now. Sorry, I know. Don't like it. It's just where the sport is. I still don't like the opener. I don't care what anyone says. It's not fun. Incredibly effective, but I agree. As it's a not fan, fun. It's not fun, but uh, it works. It works. So I think hopefully next year, um, and obviously this year is not completely done, but um, they have the offensive system in place, and I think they're going to start finding players that fit that offensive system. Uh, we are glad that they have a whole top-down approach um, from an organizational standpoint. Took them a little while to figure it out, um, but it, it's it's a good place where this team's at and this is the most important offseason in team history 
By far. All right, before we get to the offseason, really quickly, what are you looking for for the last 14 games? Is there anything, again, we just want to see the young kids play and maybe see some development or whatever, but is there anything specifically you're looking for, or is it just kind of right obviously. out the string? Obviously. Pavetta whenever he starts. Yeah, uh, yeah let's talk about Pavetta for, for one second, because I think I was the only person that was watching the Phillies yesterday, because I had to. Um, oh, yeah. I is, think you were. Which is miserable. Yeah. Tough timing um, for the Phillies there. Yeah. Whatever. But Pavetta had his best curveball in about two months. And what what made me so excited and bullish on Pavetta was the fastball coupled with that curveball because that curveball is wicked. But he hasn't really had it for the last two months. He's been pitching without it, and that's why his ERA is conversely blown up. Um, he struck out eight in like five innings yesterday. He he it was it was it was back to being a, a good hard curveball from Pavetta, and I want to see more of that um, as the season goes on. He's hitting like ninety seven too, so that was exciting. But still needs that third pitch, obviously. Um, I'm interested. I, I want to see more Santana at third, Hoskins at first. And I want to see that outfield. I want, I want to see a Kingery Crawford middle just for give me a game. Mm-hmm. Just give me a game, see what it looks like. Just see what it looks like. I just want to see what like, Kingery hasn't played second base. I was just about to say, it's unbelievable how little second base that guy has played. He's it's played, crazy. I think he's played like three innings of second base. Uh, yeah. I think he got one start. I think it was one start all season long. One start. Yeah, it's, it's ridiculous. And maybe they'll keep playing Cesar just to get his value to wherever it can possibly be to trade in this offseason. Um, Quinn, I want to see if he can stay healthy. And listen, he he's really susceptible to, to a high fastball. And I want to see if he can fix that. But even without, even with the, a major hole in a swing, he's still been batting like 325. He's been good, so man. I'm interested to see what he can do. Obviously, it's hard to trust him because he can never stay healthy. It's but, all about the health. If, if he, can, he stays healthy, he's a dynamic guy to have on your team. He's fun. He's a fun player to have. Um, Crawford made some swing adjustments. His hands are lower now. He's not wrapping the bat as much. Look good. Um, still, defense is still weird. He he made another error yesterday that kind of caught. He made an error that cost Pavetta a run. So he forever he's dead to me. But um, <laughs> if he can get past that, uh, that'd be great. So he's his throwing errors have just been weird this year. Hopefully he can fix that out, fix that up a little bit, and his hands are dropped. And maybe there's some offensive upside there. So. Um, I'm looking for that stuff, and maybe Wilson Ramos on a prove it deal. It's awesome. I like that. Look, he, Wilson Ramos. Here's, here's, I was thinking this the other day. He doesn't play enough to where you're gonna bury Jorge Alfaro because he can't because of his hamstrings. And yeah, he can't he, play enough. He can't play a bunch. So it's kind of a perfect guy to have as a compliment. To right. Alfaro. Like I, I don't think it would stun Alfaro's growth. And I would like to see him back. I here. feel like I've seen Alfaro play just as much as all season long. Also, it's, it's, this is the trade. It's it's like he hasn't lost any points. Also, time. he is infuriating. Oh, he's br- he drives you crazy. I think he's got a hole in his bat. Yeah, he does. It's unbelievable. Some of the pitches he missed, you're like, how'd you miss that? I know. Like what what happened there? Like, I know. What, his off season's important. His off season's important, especially also from the that we've seen a lot of growth defensively. He needs to use his brain a little bit more. He makes stupid decisions a lot. And he's got to stop dropping to one leg on balls and dirt. Yes, he's got to. Like, what is he doing there? I like, know. It's just, it's, it's, it's laziness. It's, yeah. it's laziness from it the is. sense you got to get to both knees and get around the ball and keep it in front of you. All right, Fritzy, uh, we'll be back later this week. Uh, Phillies, Mets, and then uh, the final 11 game gauntlet that looks so much fun oh, against the Braves and the Rockies. It's supposed to be so much better. Who knows? Maybe they'll sweep the Braves. They won't. Uh, Jackie, final thoughts. Uh, listen, man, we haven't gotten a review since August 6th. What? And I still check every day. Oh, it's do it been for o- Jack, guys. Yeah, every day. Do it for looking Jack. for a new review. Please, be that person who be makes that Jack's day. Be that person who day. reviews the High Ops Okay, my final thought, Don Mattingly came out after the game on Saturday and had a righteous beef. I agree with Don Mattingly. 
it is ridiculous that you could just have 40 players active for every game. You should have to oh, change yeah. your 25. No, they, they have to change they that rule. They have to change that rule. You can rule. have 40 men on a roster, but you can only use 25. Exactly. And you have to designate it before the game. It is just, it is right. It is not the game that they play for the first five months of the season. I thought Don Manning was dead on with that. But he was also a hypocrite because he said, this isn't baseball, but he started a brutal. <laughs> so, so, so. It's a good point, Jack. Pipe down, Donnie it's Baseball. It's a good point, Donnie Baseball. Pipe down. All right, I love it. We'll be back. Later in the week, hopefully, uh, hopefully the Phillies can win another series. Jack finally got a series win, so that is they did it. Something the exciting for Fritz. I'm Seltzer. We'll talk to you guys later.